Sup, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm Jack Vita. Today is August 1st, Thursday, 2019, day after the trade deadline. It is my 25th birthday, believe it or not. So recording a fun podcast today and then hopping on a uh, car ride up to the northern woods of Wisconsin for the weekend should be a fun time. But we've got so much to unpack from the trade deadline today. Uh, one of my favorite days of the summer. I mean, I'm a huge, I love baseball season in general. The trade deadline brings so much excitement and we got so we got a nice flurry of moves there at the last second yesterday. So I'm going to bring in a guest who's going to help me break down and unpack this trade deadline. He lives out just outside of Houston is a student at Texas Christian University, studying sports broadcasting, has a radio show of his own, Chad Vaughrine. Chad, how are you doing this morning? Dude, Jack, probably not as well as you. I mean, it's your birthday today, which, <laughs> by the way, happy birthday. I'm I'm thrilled and honored that uh, we're able to do the show today, especially on your big day, man. But uh, dude, I'm, I'm doing really well. Uh, like you said, uh, this is also one of my favorite days of the summer just because it gives, I think, a good picture of what uh, possibly postseason could look like in the next couple months. And so um, I think the trade trade deadline, especially you know for my Astros, a huge day for the Astros as well as just MLB in general. And so I was not expecting that until the last couple hours of the deadline. But uh, yeah, I guess to answer your question, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing really well, Jack. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here on my birthday. It's funny, the older you get, your birthday just changes because as a little kid, you get so excited. You count down the days and now you're just like, ah, it's just the day and you work and you, you do stuff. And in fact, I like doing stuff. I'd rather do this than not just, than just be lazy laying around all day. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, it, I hope we're not both getting to the point where our birthdays, we have to like calculate how, how old are we anymore? Because <laughs> I mean, we're, I don't think we're at that point yet. We're still pretty young for the most part, but I think that's going to hit us, you know, sooner than later rather. But uh, yeah, no, Jack, I was trying to look up um, prior to this show, uh, any famous athletes or, uh, or baseball players or just Ooh. anybody in general who had similar birthdays um, as you August 1st, but I, it was actually pretty hard to find. There was one baseball player, uh, who does share the same birthday as you. He's turning 49 today. Uh, do you happen to know a guy named uh, Kevin Jarvis by chance? <laughs> what, what team did he play? <laughs> so uh, the I think the question is, what team did he not play for? He played for <laughs> he, he played for 10 different teams. I think he also played for uh, a team in Japan, but he spent most of his time, I think, with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, he pitched like in the 90s and early uh, 2000s. But yeah, he, he was one of those guys. He got traded around. He, he probably would have been one of the names in a trade deadline you know, way back then if uh, he probably would have been a guy that got moved around for 10 different teams. But uh, but yeah, that was just something fun. I was just yeah. trying to look up. Um, yeah, you and Kevin Jarvis both are... <laughs> um, both have birthdays today which is kind of cool but yeah, yeah. august first um, august first really you not a lot of people i guess famous people that i know of or probably that you know of share the same birthdays you so it's a special day i think for you jack so yeah i'm looking it up right now i guess jason momoa mm -hmm. we got aquaman <laughs> uh you know i do remember as a kid because i was reading sports illustrated kids and they had like when your birthday is and they put like athletes oh, birthdays yeah. for each day and
Stacy Ogman <laughs> from UNLV for some I don't know why I remember that. And I think Edger and James, I think those two. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> no baseball no, guys though. Yeah, yeah, not not very many baseball guys. <laughs> Well, we got so much to get to today, Chad. I'm glad you're joining us. I also I want to share real quick for those uh, who don't know Chad, because I know a lot of you, this is an introduction to Chad, and hopefully he'll be joining me again on this podcast uh, as a featured player. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that would be the dream, yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> so uh, I met Chad down in Panama City Beach, it was about a month and a half ago, and he was serving on a summer missions project with my sister, who also goes to TCU. How'd that go for you, Chad? It, it went so well. It was um, the mission project he's talking about. It's called uh, Kaleo, which is part of uh, a college youth ministry called Student Mobilization, uh, STUMO for short. And uh, it's a nine-week uh, program where during the day you uh, you work a job. And during the evenings, you go through different um, content like Bible studies. We'll have uh, pastors and speakers uh, come in, and we'll get to listen to them. We have a day called World Prayer where um, some members get to uh, present on uh, different nations of the world, and we get to pray um, for people who uh, are unreached people groups in the 1040 window uh, so, um, section of the world. And, uh, uh, dude, Jack, it was awesome. It was uh, actually my second summer um out there so oh. i've uh so i've gone there for the last two years uh so this is my second year and i i absolutely loved it i could honestly see myself going back uh one more summer because i've i've one more summer um before i graduate college before i graduate tcu so yeah i i absolutely loved it it was a blast uh incredible people uh were there i made some even more friends than i thought i could have and um definitely grew my relationship with god so it was it was awesome it, it was such an incredible summer Wow, that sounds great. I'm a little jealous I didn't get to go on something like that, but it sounds like you had a great time. One more nugget about Chad I should throw in there. Chad, you used to play some baseball, right? Yeah, uh, yes, I did. Uh, yes, yeah, you have a good memory, Jack. I, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, before uh, going to TCU, I played uh, baseball at a, a Division three school called uh, Shriner University, and uh, it's one of the most competitive uh, D3 conferences in the country. We had out of the what, eight teams in the conference, I think three of them are national champions. Wow. And one of them was a runner-up um, within the last 20 years. So, um, and our, of course, my team, uh, we were in last place uh, in the conference. So we, <laughs> we, we struggled against some good competition. But, uh, but yeah, I, I love the game of baseball. Um, I absolutely do. It's my, it's my number one sport, uh, one of my biggest passions. And so, um, so yeah, I, I was a ball player uh, growing up. So I, and, and I miss it. But you know, doing things like this, uh, being on podcasts and radio shows, and studying broadcasting, uh, it, it kind of helps me stay involved. You know, yeah. uh, I still feel like I'm in the game. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's get into it today. And what better place to start than the Houston Astros, the team that you follow the closest? They made some waves yesterday. It was it was a weird day because I remember everyone was like, ah, nothing's really happening. Maybe the biggest moves have already happened, which uh, a couple of trades that we'll get to a little later. But right after the deadline passed, all this news started to leak out over the next half hour. I was watching MLB Network, and Rosenthal just drops a bombshell, tells everyone, yeah, the Zach Greinke to the Astros, 
What can you tell me about this trade, Chad? I mean, it's clear that the Astros are now the team to beat in the American League if they weren't already. It's a three-headed pitching staff, but why don't you tell me a little bit about what they had to give up and what your immediate reaction to this trade was. Well, I absolutely loved uh, this trade because it fills in a hole uh, for the next couple of years because um, after this season, Garrett Cole... Uh, was going to be a free agent. And so we do have a couple prospects uh, in the Astros farm system, uh, like Forrest Whitley, who's a top 100 prospect. He's expected to come up next season. But, um, you know, not even talking about this season, this uh, Zach Grinker will be able to stick around, hopefully, for another season or two. And so this fills a big hole um, in the Astros rotation for, you know, for a problem that they they will have um, next couple seasons. Now, granted, when I say problem, uh, this is not – just like a regular team problem, because when you're talking about the Astros, they now have like four or five all-stars in their starvation. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's not a problem at all. But if you want to talk about just the Astros staying, um, you know, playing at a high caliber uh, rate and just having you know a very well-polished pitching staff, then uh, yes, they fill this hole. Um, I, I absolutely love Zach Greinke. Uh, I, I've enjoyed watching him. He's, what, 35 years old now, I believe. So he and Verlander... Uh, Verlander, I believe, is 36 years old. And so they have so much experience uh, just pitching in the league, and they're going to be able to just add so much insight, and they're definitely those veteran pitchers. And it almost seems like both of those guys, the older they get, they're also just pitching better and better each year. I mean, uh, Verlander could be on track to win the Cy Young Award this year. And and, and Grinke is pitching at that level as well this year. And uh, I, I absolutely love the trade. Um, I love it. And I'm really excited for Zach Greinke uh, to get settled down in Houston. But um, Zach Greinke is definitely, I've heard, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Zach Greinke's like off the field uh, character. He he, yeah. he is a bit of a character. I know he, he struggles a little bit with um, a social anxiety disorder, yeah. which I, it won't be an issue, obviously. But it, it's interesting to look at just kind of from an outside of the lines uh, perspective. Yeah, and it's almost like he's underrated too. He's he's got two nine ERA this year. People aren't talking about him enough. And you know what's funny? This is a little off subject. You know who else is being underrated right now? Kershaw. Yes. Kershaw's got like a two eight five ERA, and it seems like everyone has just moved on from him. Yeah, I mean, when you have Ryu who has like what like a one point seven five ERA, I think like just blowing everybody away in the majors right now. I mean, he's, you know, I, Ryu, I, I consider Ryu to be their number two, and Kershaw still, in my eyes, the Dodgers' ace pitcher. Yeah. Because, because he's Clayton Kershaw. Like, it's it's very hard to to not have him um, as that guy. And he's the face of the franchise for the most part. But, uh, but yeah, he's definitely flown under the radar, especially with, you know, his uh, battle with injuries the last, you know, half season, as well as, you know, a little bit of the end last year, and he kind of fell off in the playoffs. But, yeah, that's... Yeah, you, you are right. I haven't I haven't really heard much about Kershaw yeah. uh, myself this season. <laughs> so going back to this Astros trade, what can you tell me about the guys that the Astros had to part ways with? Because t- unless you follow the Astros very closely, the only guy that people should really know about is Seth Beer because he's a top 100 prospect. What do you think about this haul that Arizona's getting back and – I mean, clearly they're also dumping salary too. Tell me about, tell me a little bit about these guys that they had to part ways with in order to make this deal happen. Yeah, well, clearly, um, obviously, we can tell Arizona is in a rebuilding process, and I think they're on their way 
you know, to, to be a, a contender in uh, out in the NL West in a couple of years, I think these guys are perfect um, for them just to kind of build that around. Uh, Corbin Martin, he's actually a Houston area product. Uh, I got to see Corbin Martin. Um, he was just a couple years older than me when he was in high school. And then I also got to see him pitch uh, a couple months ago when he was he pitched against the Chicago White Sox. He uh, made one of his starts uh, with the Astros against the White Sox. So I got to see him uh, pitch at Minute Maid. And he's what he's definitely more of your traditional uh, starting pitchers. Uh, he has a good fastball, um, you know, a good curve change. Um, he'll mix in a cutter slide, kind of a cutter and slider, in every now and then. But he's definitely more of your traditional starting pitcher. Uh, but he's going to be a great asset, I think, to the Diamondbacks if he stays uh, in that system. But uh, the Diamondbacks, they have, um, they're getting some very good pieces. Uh, I was, I think, I was joking with you earlier, Jack. Um, yeah. Uh, Seth, Seth Beer. Uh, you know, I guess the dream of every Astro to get an Astro jersey with the the name Beer on the back. Uh, th- those dreams are kind of over now, but <laughs> um, <laughs> so I mean, uh, but but he's a, he's a top 100 prospect, so definitely um, somebody that uh, the Diamondbacks are seriously considering to to build around um, if he continues to progress um, in the minor league system. And then uh, Josh Rojas, uh, he's an infielder, outfielder, a big utility player. Uh, a lot of people have um, have compared him to. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Marin Gonzalez. He was yeah. um, a, a huge utility piece, uh, especially in the Astros uh, World Series run, and also their just run to um, get out of their cycle of losing. He was he was a key contributor to the Astros' success and just kind of how they are now. Um, so they've definitely compared Rojas to, um, and they also are getting um, JB uh, Bukaskis. Uh, which uh, I don't know much about um, JB, but uh, he is a starting pitcher. Um, but they can also he. I know that he does throw hard. I looked a couple of his um, just logs, and so they could possibly move him to the pen eventually. But they're getting those four main pieces, uh, all you know, very highly qualified prospects, all for Zach Grinky, which rightfully so it makes sense because he he is Zach Grinky. Yeah, and they were able to hold on to Forrest Whitley and Cole Tucker, so or Kyle, Kyle Tucker. Sorry. Yes, yes. Th- those are the two pieces I was afraid that we would have to give up. Uh, Forrest Whitley, you know, former number one draft pick for the Astros. He uh, he he's been doing really well. Uh, he's in, he's in low A, um, or no, he he got promoted to high A um, recently, and he pitched really well um, this past week. I think he had. What, nine or ten strikeouts in seven innings uh, in a high A game, which is very impressive. But I was afraid we'd have to give him up as well as Kyle Tucker, uh, but we did not have to. Which you know, Jeff Lunho, the uh, the Astros GM, he he did a phenomenal job with the orchestrating all this for us to get Grinky. I would say the other key great thing about this trade for the Astros is they kept the Yankees from getting Grinky. <laughs> they 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 did. Which the Yankees they they were a little quiet. Yeah. Um, during during this trade deadline, which, uh, and if you look at the Yankees, they, I mean, since the All Star break, I believe I read a stat the other day. Their starting pitching staff has a combined ERA about seven point five uh, since the All Star break, and so um, clearly they are hurting in their rotation right now, uh, just in terms of how they pitch recently. And so Grinky would have been a perfect, you know, asset for them. Also, Grinky, if you think about it, he kind of fits the character of a Yankee, like veteran needs to get paid well and a lot of experience like he would be the perfect yankee pitcher well the one thing i would say about that is i don't know if he would like being in new york and having the big you know spotlight on him i think he kind of likes to be 
his own guy in a smaller market, but right, I, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, he, yeah, especially uh, Grinky just being off the field. You know, I, I like Arizona. I think was great for him in Houston. Yeah. It's not, it's not a big market, but they're a big team. Which yeah. you know, the, the Astros they don't get a lot of coverage uh, as it is, even though they are doing so well. But yeah, I think I think Houston is the perfect fit for him. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this a little bit from the Yankees perspective and how this leads into some of the other moves that were made. The Yankees did not have a ton of options in terms of trades because if they wanted Bumgarner, they were going to have to pay a lot for a rental player, which the Giants really, you had to overwhelm the Giants to get them because the Giants are competing right now. They're only a couple games back from the wild card. They're fighting. They're, it's Bochy's last year. It's a great story. And if you're a Giants fan, you want to keep seeing the Giants in the mix here and going for it. So they couldn't go for I mean, they were going to have to pay a lot for Bumgarner. Uh, Strowman is in their division, and it's tough to make those in-division trades. And then I know some Yankees fans were upset that they didn't get Bauer, but why would why would the Indians want to trade Bauer to the Astros or the Yankees, which were some of the rumors, because they're aiding a team that they're potentially going to have to go through in the playoffs. So it seemed like the big ticket guys, there weren't many of them out there for the Yankees. And if they wanted them, they were going to have to overwhelm the Mets with for Wheeler or Syndergaard or for Greinke. Yes, yeah, and and I think from the Indians' perspective as well, I mean, they're still hurting because they don't have uh, Corey Kluber right now who he's still making recovery, and so um, you are right. I, the Indians' starting rotation, I think, um, they're still very solid. I mean, they have um, Clevenger who had to get moved uh, from the bullpen, I believe, and he's now in the rotation. They have the all-star MVP, uh, Shane Bieber, but yeah. uh, from the Indians' perspective, you're like, why would you? Why would you trade away your A starting pitcher right now, <laughs> especially when you're kind of hurting? But uh, you are right that they're looking for teams down the road, um, and I think that the Yankees they would have had to given up uh, so much just to get um, one of these other big ticket guys, and you know they will get somebody in the offseason. You know, the, someone there there will be some type of free agent. I can honestly see uh, Garrett Cole, who we just mentioned earlier, um, Astros. Uh, you know, pitcher who's leading the league in strikeouts right now. He uh, he's scheduled to be a free agent this upcoming offseason, and like I could see the Yankees uh, potentially signing him uh, to a one or two year deal. Yeah, and um, you know the Yankees they uh, and they're always going to stick around in the playoffs, and so I don't think uh, that was the biggest of their concerns because they would have had to give up uh, a lot, and they're in a pretty good position right now with the good lead. Um, but it certainly cannot start slipping away because their pitching has struggled just a little bit. Yeah, that must be what they're looking at in terms of free agency is the place for them to acquire. They've got all the money. I do feel like Granke was a missed opportunity for them. So for the Astros to strike there was huge. Let's talk about some of these other trades that ended up happening. Let's talk about the Bauer one. This one was probably... This one might have may have been more shocking than the Grenke trade when I got that notification on, I believe it was Tuesday night. I'm, uh, Bauer to the Reds? What? <laughs> yes, Bauer to the Reds, and not to mention uh, that was Tuesday night, and Yasiel Puig was in uh, the big brawl between the the yeah. Reds and the Pirates, and then I just I want to say wasn't it just like maybe an hour or two later after that game? Um, 
you 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 saw Puig's name in the trade, and you're like, wow, what a what a story that is. I mean that that was huge. Well, I and, actually think he was he had been traded. Oh, he had been traded before, and he was still yes, in the yes. brawl afterwards. I, I think you're right about that. Yes, I I didn't watch the game actually, but um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. What what a story that is. If that if that were to be the case, um, yeah, that that's pretty crazy. And the Indians, uh, you know, offensively they're they're very solid, but they just got even. I think they just built their offensive foundation even more because they're going to face some good pitching. And right now, at least, they don't have the staff that they normally do in their rotation. And so, going into the playoffs, um, they're going to have to definitely rely on their offense. So, this is a great. I think the Indians won definitely in this situation, but the Reds, from a rebuilding standpoint, struggling this season. Obviously, but Trevor Bauer, we don't. I I don't know. In my opinion, how long he will stick around. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati he's only got one year left after this year. Yes, exactly. So he he, I could see him going to a, a big contender in the off season. But um, and the, and then we, we forget about San Diego. They're also in the mix. Uh, they got a uh, Taylor Trammell. Great uh, addition, right there. That a great guy could addition. be a superstar. Oh, he. I think he is a superstar in the making. He is extremely athletic. Uh, and we yeah we forget about the Padres they they've definitely gone under the radar which you know we saw them make huge moves in the offseason signing Machado um, getting uh, other guys as well and so we thought the Padres were going to be like the team you know the hot team but they've kind of slid under the radar as well yeah so it's kind of funny that the final moments of Bauer in an Indians uniform is him chucking the ball into center field. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Puig's final moments in a Reds uniform is him getting in a brawl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, it definitely speaks to, I think, the culture that's changing uh, in baseball today. You know, players are starting to show a little more attitude. And I think, uh, you know, it still is a very classy game. It's still very, uh, very much so a gentleman's game. But uh, they're starting to—I wouldn't say lash out a little bit, but uh, they're starting just you know to show a little bit more of how they are, um, you know, off the field, and they're taking that on the field. But uh, yeah, Trevor Bauer—that that was kind of an impressive toss. It's really, it's really hard to just you know stand there, <laughs> just chunk it almost 300 feet. You know, that's that's not an easy throw to make, especially after um, you know you just pitch a couple innings. But yeah, that—that's <laughs> that, pretty funny. You don't see that every day. You know, I never really thought the Indians were actually going to trade Bauer because it. We kept hearing about it ever since last off season. It seemed like the world wanted them to trade him more than the Indians actually wanted to trade him. Because always, <laughs> oh yeah, maybe they want to trade Bauer. They want to trade Bauer. And I, I just couldn't believe it. But then I kind of wonder if he had a great feeling that he was going to be leaving soon. He didn't want to, and that was part of the anger and emotion and frustration that he showed in that moment it was a that was a factor in building up to that frustration I mean I don't I don't know I might have done the same if I were getting traded from (laughs) the Indians you know to the Reds who aren't even (laughs) in contention for playoffs I mean it's I I I don't know it I probably would have been just as frustrated as Bauer but um you go out with some fireworks right yeah exactly go out in style I mean seriously (laughs) he he got to show off his cannon he certainly can throw the baseball uh (laughs) so so yeah no I that that was a big trade uh you know it was just a day before the deadline I believe and so um, so yeah, that, that was a huge trade and a lot of players are definitely involved in that one. Did you see that Bauer was at the Indians game last night? 
Uh, yes, I did because uh, <laughs> yes, the Astros the Astros played the Indians oh. uh, last night. They did so. Um, they I think I believe they showed him for you know a second or two. But I was like, oh wow, holy smokes, that's that's Trevor Bauer. <laughs> he was just hanging out in the stands in regular clothes. Yes, <laughs> isn't that so? Yeah, he he's a character off the field of yeah. anybody, I think. Um, and I, I think the Astros also have a history with him, uh, just from the playoffs last uh, couple seasons. They, uh, uh, I, I believe, I, I don't know if you've seen with Alex Bregman, um, he's kind of taunted. Um, Trevor Bauer on social yeah. media a little bit. Um, I think George Springer's kind of been in that mix as well. But uh, he, yeah, he is. He's a character as well. Um, and the Astros have had good success off of uh, Trevor Bauer. But I mean, but you know, y- y- you have to say, I mean, Trevor Bauer is just so impressive. But that that is such a Trevor Bauer move for him <laughs> to just kind of still be hanging around, uh, you know, with nothing to do, watching watching two very good teams. Um, but yeah, that, that I, I did see that. That was really funny. <laughs> Yeah, Trevor Bauer with one of the best Twitter handles in baseball at Bauer Outage <laughs> brings a lot of great content. My two favorite baseball Twitter accounts are him and Jose Canseco. It's always oh, you never yes. know what they're gonna say next, but it's always gold. <laughs> yes, yeah, and yeah, you don't see you know an attitude like Bauer. I feel like you don't see that a lot in um, from MLB players. I think maybe. Maybe Tim Anderson, if you if you know like how he kind of was, he, he got a little outraged. I think at the beginning, uh, just the whole attitude thing, and he got suspended. But yeah, more I think more and more now you see MLB players showing more attitude, a little more flair, and bringing their own uh, style, uh, you know, into the game. You know, it's not just you know the game of baseball now. It's starting to change a little bit uh, season after season. I want to talk just a second about this from the Reds perspective. So the Reds are getting Bauer. They got one year left of control after this year. I think the Reds could end up being really good next year. I do. I, I, I do. I do as well. They, uh, they do have a very good farm system because they they are rebuilding. They've gotten some very great draft picks, but, uh, and I think the NL central, I think that is division that, uh, needs a new team. Uh, the Cardinals uh, and the Cubs, you know, they're still up there, but uh, I think both those teams are due to to fall off in a couple seasons. And they, they do have um, obviously some good talent, but um, when some of these guys here or now, I think in a couple seasons, will be considered uh, veteran players for those two clubs. Um, I don't, you know, we don't know how consistent they are still going to be. So I I do think the Reds they have something going really well over there in Cincinnati. I think they could be really good as well. Yeah, their pitching has always been their weakness, and this year it's been a strength. Now, they did ship out Tanner Roark to the A's, which I think is a nice little pickup for the A's because they could use a little bit of pitching depth, and he's been a he's been a quality pitcher this year. I believe his ERA has been just under four, maybe a little over four. He's been really good this year for the Reds in a pitcher's par- or in a hitter's park, and now he's moving over to a pitcher's park. It's a nice little ad there for the A's. But that leaves them with a three-man, a one-two-three of Bauer, Luis Castillo, who's on, he's on a path towards a Cy Young this year, and no yes. one's talking about him. <laughs> and Sonny Gray has had, he's had a nice yeah. bounce back year. No one's yeah. talking about him either. Yeah, nobody, nobody's talked about Sonny Gray this year. I. Um, I, I'm still trying to get into my brain that he is in Cincinnati. I always forget that, but yeah, no one's really talking about their pitching staff at all. Cause they've always been, um, I mean, they are in a hitter's park and so they've always been, 
you know, very good offensively. But I, yeah, I, you are right. I, I do think that the Reds have something going special for them now. You know, if they keep Bauer or not, I we really don't know. But um, yeah, I, I I do like the direction that Cincinnati is going. Yeah, it was a lot to give up if Bauer leaves in a year and they don't have any success next year. So it's important that they're able to at least extend him for maybe a couple years. I know Bauer has said he wants, he's expressed interest in the past in signing one-year contracts and just kind of floating around the league. (laughs) So who knows? He's a wild card. We'll see what happens. But I think this team has the pieces now to make a push for the division next year. As you mentioned, they have a great bullpen. Their lineup is stacked. They got some nice young guys in there like Nick Senzel, in addition to the vets like Joey Votto. I like Jesse Winker a lot. I, he hasn't. He's been a little cold this year, but I think he's gonna he's gonna turn it up at some point. I think this is a good team. What do you think about the uh, the Roark trade for the A's? Oh, I, I love it. The A's are in a position to be a wild card team, and uh, they also they picked up uh, a couple other uh, players as well. Um, so they had the Tanner Roark trade, and I believe they had. Uh, I'm trying to find it here. I actually just read. Oh, they uh, they acquired uh, Jake Dykeman uh, from the yes. from the Royals, which that that would definitely help them a lot. Um, and the the A's, they're always a team. They're very they're very quiet until you know the end of September, October comes around, and then something just happens in Oakland where <laughs> it, it's like magic. They're uh, I, I think the A's are a playoff team, and I think uh, that that fills their holes perfectly. I think um, for going into the season. And um and they they do they they put up a lot of runs um as well being the athletics but they I think this is perfect for um the Oakland Athletics I really like that and, and I I really like Tanner Rourke as well um very underrated pitcher I think uh, around the league but if you were to ask probably other players who do play um I think they would have high praises for him yeah this is a nice pickup the A's have not quite had the magic in October quite yet. Uh, hopefully for their sake, they get to have a nice magical run one of these years, but this is a good team. They're very fun to watch. They have so many good young players. And one thing I love about them is how great they are defensively. Yes. Oh yes. They, yeah, they've, they've always been great defensively. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah. And especially in a big ballpark that they play in the Coliseum, you have to, you have to, especially your outfield, they have to definitely hold it down out there. Uh, and then in, I think a couple of weeks, so didn't they pick up, uh, they have Homer Bailey now, right? Yeah, another former Red. Yes, yes, another former Red. So the the Reds and A's doing a lot together, and then of course Mike Fires, you know, Mister No No earlier this season. Yeah. I mean, their their rotation is looking very well, and also, and did you see? Speaking defensively, I mean, this is just something small, but I mean, Chad Pender last night made I think like a top two or top three play on Sports Center. Like yeah, that, yeah, they they always do so well defensively. But, uh, but yeah, and then, of course, they have, you know, the platinum gold glove winner over at the hot corner, Matt Chapman. Yep. I mean, he, yeah, <laughs> always, <laughs> always solid, always solid. But, uh, yeah, the, the athletics, um, I, I think they're definitely going to surprise a lot of people um, in the postseason this year, regardless of who they play. They'll definitely, I think, most likely get that wild card spot unless the Astros were just to fall off the table um, the next month and a half. But, yeah, I, I, I like where the athletics are going into October. Another interesting move from the Reds' perspective is they shipped out Scooter Jeanette, which it's kind of interesting when you see some of these moves because from the perspective of the Giants, they made a move like 
They held on to Bumgarner. They're making a push. They dealt some relievers. We'll get to that. But they have so much depth in their bullpen that they were able to sell a couple of pieces. It seemed like the scooter trade was a little bit of raising the white flag, which is just very contradictory to the Bauer move. It must be that the Bauer move is about next year because Scooter Jeanette, people who listen to this podcast know I am his number one fan. (laughs) I'm the founder of the Scooter Jeanette fan club. And, uh, you know, this guy, I thought he should have gotten a silver slugger last year at second base. He hit 310, close to 30 homers, 100 RBIs, fantastic player. Um, Makes some nice plays defensively, too. This is a great ad for the Giants. I know he's a rental player. I don't think they had to give up a whole lot. But this is like, if I'm going to make a comparison to a former Giants middle infielder, It reminds me a little bit of when they had Marco Scudero Mm. and what he was able to do for the Giants down the stretch. I think that was 2012. Yes, and I think this is great for Scooter because he's now in a playoff race potentially. I mean, the the Giants are hanging around right there. And and now that they're in contention again, I think this is great for Scooter. And I think if he does get the opportunity uh, to get a little bit of playoff postseason experience uh, this upcoming fall, then I think... That would just experience him and just make him an even better asset, I think, for the future. And and I, I agree with you, Jack. I think he does deserve a big contract. I mean, he's definitely uh, – he has grown so much, I think, since um, he's come to the league um, in the past couple seasons. Definitely one of the more elite power hitters in terms of second baseman. Um, Great hard contact. Very, yes. Yeah. And also, if you look at him, he swings a huge bat. Is that just me or is his bat just like <laughs> – he has a really long bat. I don't. I, I. Yeah. yeah he, he swings a really heavy bat, uh, but he can he can swing it for sure. Uh, he can definitely handle it. Uh, but yeah, I I think this is a good move for Scooter. I, I think it's good for Scooter in his shoes. But um, the Reds, you kind of have to scratch your head and man, like that's that's a tough loss for them. Yeah, it must be. We're gonna clear some room for Senzel maybe to get back to second base, which he's a more of a natural infielder. They have that other guy, that outfielder. Um, the guy's been playing left field. I want to say his name's Van Art. Yes. Uh, yeah. Did I say that correctly? Is that his name? Yeah, that, that's how I say it. I think I just kind of <laughs> yeah, I just go for it. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's really good. They want to. I think they want to clear some space to give some of these young guys a chance. Maybe they want to bring Scooter back as a free agent because Scooter's a hometown kid. He, he was a great story here in Cincinnati. It's a little sad that it came to an abrupt ending. Um, but he has not done a whole lot since he come back. Came has since he came back from injury. Gosh, <laughs> since he came back from injury, and uh, I think he's going to be a huge contributor for the Giants here down the stretch. He's a bat that can really space out your lineup. So I like that ad for them. Yes, and especially now that he gets um, he he gets the cove, uh, you know, in right field for him. I think he'll be seeing a lot more long balls this next half of the season. Yeah. Um, now that he has that in right field. Yeah, great point. Uh, let's talk about another, probably the biggest other name that got dealt before the deadline, Marcus Stroman. I believe he was dealt over the weekend yes. over to the Mets. And this one was very surprising. It sounded like a lot of people were like, oh, what the Mets are trying to do here is maybe they want to flip him or they're trying to monopolize the trade market. So if you want to make a trade for a pitcher, you're going to, you're going to have to go to them if you want Syndergaard or Wheeler because now Stroman's off the board. But in typical Mets fashion, 
<laughs> they did not sell on anyone. So this one, the Mets just confuse me every year. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, and they had to give up two huge prospects, uh, one of them being Simeon Woods Richardson, who he's actually um, a local product. Uh, he went to... Um, a high school in my district, and so I've um, oh. I've I've faced him before, and uh, that guy is good. Um, and he, I think he has. I, I was looking up his stats. He has like 97 strikeouts in 78 innings in low A ball this season. They also had to give up Anthony K. So um, for Stroman, who doesn't seem like he's going to be, um, I we don't know how long he'll be with the Mets. I haven't looked at his contract exactly, but it's kind of an odd move for the Mets, and they they must be doing something they could potentially. Um, use him for another piece, but I don't. I don't know how. It, I don't know how long Stroman has on his contract. I haven't looked at that yet, but um, it, it is kind of odd for um, f- for the Mets to do that. But um, but they're certainly in a rebuilding process. Yeah. So I'm gonna give you one of my big winners from the deadline. They may have slid under the radar unless you're a big baseball fan and you follow this stuff closely. Do you know who I'm going to go with here? Uh, potentially, um, I, I, I could maybe see, um, are they in Atlanta? Maybe. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Then yes, I do know who you're going for. (laughs) I love what the Braves did here. They did not have to give a whole lot up and they added three really good bullpen pieces that is going to be big for them because I like, I've been high on their starting rotation for a while. As people who know, who listen to the show regularly know, I like a lot of those young guys. Max Freed is uh, a stud. He's a guy who's a star in the making. Soroka has been fantastic for them. Fulton has struggled this year, but he got Cy Young votes last year. Keuchel was a great ad for them. And uh, Newcomb has been very good, too. So they have a lot of really good young pitchers. Some of them might get moved over to the pen during the postseason. Uh, the The bullpen had been an air, a concern for many people, but they had three really good uh, bullpen arms here in Shane Green, Mark Melanson, and uh, Chris Martin, who's another, the Rangers' best reliever, by the way. Another one people don't know. Not the guy who sings in Coldplay, just to <laughs> clarify that. Yeah, d- different people. <laughs> <laughs> they got three guys, and they didn't have to part ways with a whole lot in their stacked farm system that they have. Yeah, it, this was a great move for the for the Braves, and it definitely went under the radar as well as you were saying earlier, but this is exactly what they needed um, to set themselves up well for uh, the postseason. I think we saw them last year um, in the series against the Dodgers. They struggled a little bit in all the back halves um, of their games in that series uh, because they did not have great depth in their pin. And, uh, yes, they lost a couple pieces in there, but as well, I think this is exactly what they needed. And, again, it's great because these are guys that they're solid contributors um, to the pin that they were in, but they they didn't – the Braves did not really have to do anything major uh, to get these guys. And that's exactly, I think, what a trade deadline should look like is, you know, key contributors – uh, to a ball club who they don't necessarily have to be big names, but you just give up these random pieces, you know, to come and build together, you know, an even bigger piece. And uh, these three guys certainly uh, meet, I think, all those expectations for the Braves. And I, I really like the Braves. I think um, outside of the Astros, I think uh, the Braves are the winners of uh, the trade deadline. I would agree. I am a big fan of the way the Braves have built their team. They haven't been 
spending a ton of money. They got a lot of controllable guys and they're not sacrificing the future. They know that they have a nice window here for a few years. Would it be great for them to win it this year? Absolutely. But I think they're they're capable of doing it now. They added a few bullpen guys. The Melanson thing, they basically just said, we're going to eat the salary, which was bold. I like that. And they've been smart about spending their money. So they're able to do that. And since they, they've locked up Acuna and Albies for such a long time on the cheaper side, I think they're, I think they're set up very well here. I, I think they are as well. And uh, we could see, I think, all those three guys to the pin. And then I believe, just looking at their depth chart, probably uh, Soroka, Teheron still there, Keiko Freed, and then yeah. Ke- uh, Kevin Gosman, who's kind of in and out. Yeah, um, th- That could be a rotation. They can even mix one of those guys in there at any point. Um, if they're in maybe like a game seven situation where they you know maybe want to start um, you know one guy for a couple innings, uh, but uh, yeah, I think they're set up very well. And then they also just have so much young talent offensively. I mean, with uh, the come up of Austin Riley now, who's yeah. made himself a, a big name, and then obviously Acuna Jr. and Albies and um, and Duvall as well. Um, they're the Braves. Uh, they have been set up so well, and they've done it in such a short amount of time. I think the season before last, they were you know towards the bottom of the NL East, and now they're on track to make the playoffs for two seasons in a row. Yeah. So um, I think this is a perfect move for Atlanta. I think they did a very good job in the deadline. Yeah, and we didn't even mention that on top of all those pitchers, they've got Kyle Wright, who's, I believe, number 40 prospect in baseball. It depends on what list you're looking at. And Tuki Toussaint, who was top 100 entering this year. I think he was top 50 or top 60. And they've got him in the bullpen. So they have so many options. Bryce Wilson has been solid for them, too. So they have a lot of guys that they can mix and match for a playoff series. I think they have a great chance of beating the Dodgers, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think you know, the Dodgers have been the team to beat in the whole league uh, this entire season. But, um, you know, kind of just a little rematch that we could potentially see that from uh, last year's series. Uh, I, I really do think that they have a good chance as well. I think if anybody in the National League playoff race this upcoming season were to beat the Dodgers, I think that the one team that that would be would be Atlanta. Another trade that I like that was a little under the radar move how about the Phillies grabbing Corey Dickerson? Yeah, the, the, the Philly. I think the Phillies. They were. I think a lot of they shocked a lot of people um, this year. Just, I mean, they had huge moves, obviously, in the offseason with Bryce Harper. But I think they underperformed. But uh, I think it's good because Corey Dickerson, uh, very great defensively, he contributes at the plate. Um, I, I really think that I, I think it's a good move. Um, I haven't really looked too much into the Dickerson move in terms of I think what's that, what is that going to do for. Uh, Philadelphia as a whole, but I, it certainly does not hurt Philadelphia in any way. I like him a lot. He was a gold glover last year. Uh, I, he may have been an all-star. I think I voted for him last year. He was uh, <laughs> hit close to around 300. Really good player in Pittsburgh. Their outfield situation, they were going to have to move him or Polanco because Brian Reynolds has come up and been so he's been a revelation for them. Mm. I think he's hitting like 330. Yes. The centerpiece of that McCutcheon trade. Um, so they kind of had to make way for some of these young guys to play. So they shipped out Dickerson. I think this is a nice little ad for the Phillies. 
I think it is too, and they and I think with guys like Harper next to him. I mean, Harper's struggling a little bit, but then you also have Nick Williams Jr. and some other guys um, over in Philadelphia who I think could help him out a lot. I think Dickerson could be a key part, and the Phillies are still rebuilding. They need, I think, a couple more seasons. Um, really, uh, probably more backup in their pen, I think, and just more contributors at the plate to be consistent uh, for the Phillies, just to be in kind of that talk again. And we saw, I think, splash like little flashes of um, what the Phillies could be like um, in these years to come just at the end of last season and throughout most of them before uh, they were snubbed. But uh, I, I think I think it's a great move for the Phillies as well. I do like it. And Corey Dickerson, he's he's just one of those everyday guys that's going to give it can give his best um, every time he shows up to the ballpark and never complains, doesn't need the spotlight as well. And so, yeah, I, I really do like that for Philadelphia. And I think the Kutch injury really hurt them a lot because he was a he was excellent in the leadoff spot for them, setting the table. Great vet to have around the club, and losing him has it seemed like they've gone downhill big time since he got hurt. Yes, yes, it um it definitely was big, and he he started off the season doing very well um this season, and it looked like uh you know the Phillies could have kind of raced with the Braves in the East, but uh, not the case anymore. Uh, unfortunately, but um, yeah, I think that definitely yeah. hurt them a lot. All right, the next shocker from the deadline yesterday. This is one that I really did not expect. The Rays picking up Jesus Aguilar. This is a move that s- reminds me of something they did last year where they picked up an NL Central asset undervalued on the cheap, which was Tommy Pham. Mm. They got from the Cardinals. Now they got Aguilar, who's had a down year. I mean, he's been platooning with Thames. He probably is going to be in a platoon spot in Tampa, at least to start with CJ Crone. But I like this pickup. I mean, here's the thing. When the Rays call you and say, we like this guy, I would hang up the phone and be like, oh, I like that guy too. <laughs> you know, the Rays know what they're doing. Yes, yeah, they certainly know what they're doing. And Jesus Aguilar, um, definitely a big strikeout, but... Um, will contribute. He, he's had a down year this year. I think he has what, like maybe less than ten home runs this year or something. But last year hit about 35, 36 home runs. So he has uh, pop at the plate. He he certainly has a good bat that he swings. But I do like it for the Rays because they're definitely on the up and up um, for the future and for these several years to come. I mean, I think Jesus Aguilar. I think he could add a lot to the Rays and he can contribute a lot over there in Tampa. Now let's talk about the Cubs, who are the team that I follow the closest here in Chicago. Um, I typically don't bring fandom into the podcast, so I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> cheerleading them on here. But the Cubs and your Astros made a trade yesterday. Yes. That was interesting. Maldonado, who just came over to the Cubs about a week ago, already on his way out. I guess, I think what the Cubs had, what they did there was they were expecting Contreras to be out longer. Like, we need some help here at catcher. And mm. so then they uh, got rid of him. But I like what he brought to the Cubs as a veteran because the Cubs don't have a lot of veteran guys. I wish they had some more. I think that would make them a better team. But in addition to that, they're not very good defensively at catcher. Wilson Contreras, when he came up, a lot of people, we all looked at him as like, this guy's got the tools to potentially be an excellent defensive catcher, and he just hasn't developed that way. He's got a great arm, but doesn't block the balls. He's not great at blocking balls, and his pitch framing isn't very good. 
So Maldonado was a big upgrade defensively where the Cubs are struggling mightily defensively, which we'll talk about a little more most likely. But uh, <laughs> this was a good ad for the Astros, I think. Because Tony Kemp was a guy that they just DFA'd and they were able to turn him into Maldonado who helped him out a lot last year. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because... Um, Maldonado, um, he, he, we got him uh, right at this time uh, last season. He helped us out a lot in the playoffs. Um, certainly gold glove caliber um, of a catcher and uh, very great defensively. He even contributed a couple times, I think, unexpectedly at the plate uh, for the Astros in the playoffs. Only thing is that I absolutely love Tony Kemp, and I'm so <laughs> sad that uh, he's leaving Houston and he's now going over to Chicago. Y'all are getting um, one heck of a guy. Uh, first of all, and he, um, he, he, I think he could help you out so much. And I think um, he has a bright future. He's still pretty young, and uh, he can play anywhere in the field in terms of infield and outfield. Besides, for he can play middle infield, he can also play any outfield position. He's very quick. Uh, he could also be used, I think, as a pinch runner or even a pinch hitter um, in the postseason play if he does not um, get a starting role position with the Cubs. But uh, Tony Kemp, y'all are getting um, one heck of a player uh, in Kemp. And I, I do like Maldonado. I think Houston, we've had a little bit of a, not a catcher problem, but just too many catchers. But uh, yesterday we also sent off uh, Max Stassi, who uh, he's been in the system, in the Astros system for quite a while, ever since uh, I believe the 14 and 15 seasons when that was even before the Astros started winning games, uh, which is, you know, it's almost hard to remember it that way. But um He's been in the system for a while, and um, they've also made other uh, – they've sent off uh, several other catchers at different places. But uh, now Maldonado, he's able to back up. And the pitching staff for the Astros, um, Verlander and Cole, they loved uh, pitching um, with Maldonado behind the plate last year. And so I think um, this is going to help the pitching staff, um, if anything – um, for the Astros this upcoming season or this postseason. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Let's talk. I'm going to mention a couple other trades the Cubs made. They did make some changes to their roster. The big one being adding Nicholas Castellanos yesterday from Detroit, who I like a lot as a player. He's a really, really good hitter, a little underrated. However, I think the Cubs are going to need to play him in left field because. And I think this should mean that Schwarber is not going to play as much because it, he is not, Castellanos is not a very good defender. Schwarber has struggled in left field. It's well documented. You can't do Castellanos at third and move Bryant to right because Bryant's not very good in the outfield. And then you're moving Hayward over from a position he's a lead at. So I, I think this should spell, and it's not going to because I know the way Joe Madden thinks, and he's going to prioritize offense over everything, just, even though <laughs> Schwarber's only hitting like 220. Let's be real here. Um. <laughs> yeah, it, I, th I think Schwarber, um, I, I love watching him just um, on the field because he hits the ball so hard and so far. But really, if you look at him from a production value, he's underperformed, I think, for the Cubs this season. I think a lot of people don't look uh, too far into that. But um, he's, he's definitely more of the... Um, designated hitter, maybe, yeah. and you know who knows? Maybe he's getting a little tired from just playing the field all the time. Maybe yeah. that's taken away uh, from his uh, production at the plate. And and but I believe didn't Schwarber come up as a catcher um, into yep. the league? Yes. So um, that that would probably make sense if he you know moving around different places. Um, maybe a little bit uncomfortable for him. 
But, uh, I mean, he, he's a phenomenal hitter uh, in terms of his power. He can definitely uh, knock the ball off the cover. I think if, if the Cubs, if they had the opportunity to have a DH, I mean, that would be their, I think he'd be their DH automatically, but unfortunately they don't have that uh, playing in the National League, Yeah, um, which they do have to figure that out. I know this is going to ruffle some feathers here, what I'm about to say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but as an objective journalist watching the Cubs, I like to call myself a journalist. Maybe I'm not a journalist. You're, you're, a, you're a journalist. You're a journalist. <laughs> okay. So here's something that I guarantee we're going to see at some point this year. We're going to see a historically bad defensive lineup where it's going to be something like Bodie at third base. Bryant's going to get a day off. Javi Baez at short, who, by the way, no one is talking about the fact that he is second in errors at the position for shortstops, bottom five at the position and fielding percentage has actually been below average at the position at short. I think he's a lot stronger at second base. His, uh, his short, he does better on the shorter throw than the long throw. Uh, doesn't quite have the range that other shortstops have. And I know this is something that a lot of people are getting mad hearing me say, because when you watch the highlights, he does stuff that is just phenomenal. You He does stuff mm. that no one else does. But metrically, he hasn't been that great defensively at short. Bodie has been uh, below average at third base. They don't really have a second baseman at the moment. They're kind of figuring that out since they moved Baez over to short and they sent Addison Russell down to AAA to clear his head. Uh, I mean, you got Descalso, who struggled. Bodie has struggled. They just sent down Robo Garcia. Um, So you could have a lineup with Bodie at third, Baez at short, whomever at second that probably isn't great defensively. Descalso is actually pretty good defensively, but he's not playing much anymore. Yes. And, 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 then, and I think that Tony Kim trade could also solve um, yes, their second true. base. So true. Yeah, that's a good point. And then outfield of happen center, who is not a traditional outfielder has struggled when he's played center. And then uh Schwarber and left Castellanos and right. And it's like <laughs> it's like America's funniest home videos just brewing, <laughs> waiting to happen, right? Well, well, it's funny because then you have Rizzo over at first, who's one of the best yeah. uh, defensive first basemen in the Amazing entire league. In, incredible, he's built out so many guys. Oh, absolutely, and yeah, and which is funny because he's on a team like that, and and then of course mentioning earlier we had uh, we already talked about Contreras behind the plate, so it's it is it is kind of. It, it is kind of, you know, a circus, if you will, um, just defensively. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's so weird, because when they won the World Series, they had a great defensive team. Baez was a lot better at second base, in my mm. opinion. And when you had Russell at short, Baez at second, that's as good a middle infield as you can get defensively. Edison Russell, people forget. I know he needs some time right now to clear his head. I'm not saying that, you know, he was having a great year or anything by any stretch of the imagination, but 2016, Addison Russell was a very good player. Brian is a good third baseman. And then, uh, you know, Hayward and Wright is one of the best. You know, he's a gold glover. And mm. Almora, when he plays center, is excellent. And so, like, they have those guys. It's just, like, they're not using them that way. And then <laughs> when you keep shuffling everyone around and no one gets consistent reps or comfortability of course there are going to be some miscues so it's just so weird that they've regressed so much defensively in such a short amount of time 
<laughs> Absolutely, and, and of course they play in Wrigley Field, which you know and I, I think is very uh, hitter friendly. But um, yeah, it, it is because they do have. It is important, I think, for the Cubs to have a very good defense. But um, yeah, it, it is interesting because that championship team um, they were just so solid. I remember, I believe, what was the 2017 uh, All Star game? I think the entire starting infield for the NL yeah, team. Yeah, 2016. It was, it was, was it 2016 when they actually yeah. made? Okay, it, it was all Cubs. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. It, it was like the entire infield was Cubs. And yeah, so it was Rizzo, Zobrist, Russell, and Russell. Bryant. Yes. And so, and yeah, that just speaks to just like how much these players are changing, I think, um, after a couple of years. And um, they, they still have, you know, obviously more potential to get back to how they were when they're, you know, a couple of years younger. But uh, yeah, I mean, but they also have more people to come up in their farm system. And so, um, they, they'll definitely figure out where they need to, you know, put guys or moves and switch guys around. But, but yeah, that, that is a good point to bring up. It's, it's something I think not a lot of people talk about and that speaks so much truth, especially to bias. Yeah. Well, I like Castellanos a lot. I want to make that clear. I just think that I hope they aren't going to use him in a form that's going to make their defense worse, which likely will happen in some way. <laughs> Um, I just think I would I would slot him in in left field a lot. I mean, maybe you don't play him every day. Maybe you can shuffle him around a little bit. But I think he should become your primary left fielder at the moment. And I'm sorry to Kyle because I think Kyle still has a bright future ahead of him. I think he mm. could be a really good DH somewhere. But I like the Castellanos bat matching better for the Cubs right now than Schwarber's does because... They need some contact hitting. They can't. They're having a lot of problems leaving runners on base, leaving runners in scoring position, and having a contact hitter like Castellanos, who I voted for the All Star game last year, <laughs> is a that's a big get as a, as long as they use him properly. Yes, and and I think uh, Castellanos, if he is a little better defensively in right field, I think. Uh, maybe he'd be a safer bet, or at least what Joe Madden could maybe be thinking in right field than left field, just maybe because the arm, his arm strength is probably a little better than Schwarber's. But uh, but at the same time, you know, I think he would he would be a good fit over in the left corner. So uh, yeah, that, that's good. I think if they use him correctly, like you said, uh, I think that could definitely make a big difference to their outfield. And again, they also do have uh, Tony Kemp now, who yeah. um, who can switch and rotate in and out of the outfield. Yeah, and the other thing is that I would be fine with that if you didn't have Jason Hayward in right field. <laughs> Jason Hayward is one of the best at that position. You move mm. him over to center, it brings down his value because now he's an average center fielder as opposed to a very above-average right fielder. Yes, he, he has a very above-average arm, uh, one of the best arms in the league, I think, of right field. Made a great throw last night, by the way. Oh, yes, yes, I did see that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Was not fielded cleanly at third base, but right. <laughs> it was a great throw. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, uh, that is interesting that they have a little bit of defensive struggle over there in Chicago. That Those are your boys, man. That, those are your guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, an, a couple other notes, just because I put some stuff on Twitter yesterday and I had a couple of fans coming at me. Um, I did note that the Cubs gave up a guy named Alex Lange or Alex Lang, and he was a first round pick in 2017 out of LSU as a pitcher. So they, this is a guy and it's really interesting. You look at this trade, either they overpaid for a rental player or they just didn't draft well in the, 
in that spot as a first round pick. I think they didn't draft well because this guy struggled mightily in the minors. And it's kind of shows a little bit that this Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer front office is not very adept at drafting pitching. Yes. And, and it's funny that you say he was an LSU product because um, another guy who was also an LSU product, I believe that same year was uh, Alex Bregman. Uh, well, oh, Ale- yeah, Ale- yeah. Alex Bregman. And then who were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say Aaron Nola, yes. but then I reminded myself that he was a few years ago. Actually, I think, wasn't Bregman 2015? It, or, Bregman should, I believe you, was he 2015? What? Uh, yes. It, oh, they, this was 2017. Yes, yes. Oh, those are different years. And then, so yes, you're yeah. right about that. And Nola was 2014. 2014. Okay, gotcha. But, but I mean, but still, I mean, all <laughs> LSU products, um, which, you know, and they very well could have drafted, um, you know, wrong because, you know, they didn't have a great position, obviously, after winning um the, the yeah, series yes so uh so that be- very much could have been the case you know they may still ha- still have had that world series high uh you don't know but <laughs> but yeah that, that is interesting that you noted that jack <laughs> yeah one other perplexing move and here's the thing i know i'm gonna get a lot of people they're saying that i'm being too hard or that i should be a bigger fan or whatever but I mean, I try not to be as much a fan. I try to just look at things objectively and offer my thoughts. And the other move that was a little interesting was the Cubs did trade Carl Edwards Jr., who was once a very promising reliever. Two years ago, this was a guy that people were looking at as he could be the guy they groom into being a lights closer, showing a lot of that potential. They traded him yesterday for a lefty reliever, uh, Brad Week or Brad Wick, um, from San Diego. Have you heard of this guy? Uh, I, I've not actually. I, I don't know much about um, about Wick at all. But uh, yeah, I hadn't heard of him. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, again, I, I guess San Diego just kind of goes under the radar in general. But um, it, yeah, they, I mean, they traded a righty for lefty, which um, is interesting. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm interested to see, uh, you know. What is, what is that going to do for the Cubs? I, I really don't know much about him at all. Well, the Cubs do need a lefty reliever, but this guy they got back has an ERA over six this mm. year. So yes. <laughs> it's just kind of, it's like, okay, I don't, and look, I think I'm happy for Carl because I think he needs a fresh start somewhere. I think the Cubs kind of ruined him, to tell you the truth, because they overworked him three years in a row. They messed up. They messed with his uh, pitching, uh, his uh, throwing from the stretch this past spring training. They taught him a move that was a balk. <laughs> and then the league office told him, look, that's a balk. You can't throw that way. And he had to go down to the minors and retool again entirely. <laughs> so I think they goofed up this guy. I feel bad for him. I think he could still be a very good pitcher, have a great career. I think this is a great pickup for San Diego. The other thing that I don't understand is why the Cubs felt that they needed to send their international signing bonus money. Um, they sent a little bit of international signing money in this deal too. So it was like, huh, that's odd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and in terms of Wick, if he, if his ERA is so high, maybe, uh, maybe it's because, you know, he is coming from, I believe the NL West. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously you do have Colorado and Los Angeles as well. And even the Diamondbacks who've been hitting pretty well this season. And so, you know, he probably has gotten banged up a little bit, uh, this season, but, but in terms of that international um, bonus, that is that is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, you, there's a lot of things that um, you know people, I guess, 
the trade itself really won't tell you, but you really have to read into it. But that is pretty um, – that's good insight uh, on your part, Jack. Thank <laughs> you, sir. Appreciate that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm looking around at some other moves. The Rays did pick up Eric Sogard, Sogard over the weekend, who was seemed to be a popular – uh, commodity. A lot of people wanted him. He's having a nice year. That's a nice he little is. pickup. Yes, and I think he had a pretty big weekend, and then he got sent off. I yeah. believe. I think he had a, he had a couple home runs this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, the Twins picked up Sam Dyson from the Giants, who also used to pitch for the Rangers. He's a good reliever. That's a nice little pickup. Mm. Any? Are there any others that we forgot to mention that you made note of? Um, uh, maybe just the. The other big Astros trade, which, I mean, obviously I don't want to sit here and talk about the Astros all day, even <laughs> though I could, but just um, I, I think the Astros definitely uh, got the great, the best end of the stick when um, it was the very last trade uh, made before the deadline, and I think it got kind of overshadowed by the Grinky trade, but it was uh, between yeah. the Blue Jays and the Astros. Um, the uh, Astros sent Derek Fisher, who... Um, he had some postseason action uh, last the end of last season with the Astros. He's now in Toronto, and the Astros were able to acquire Aaron Sanchez, former All Star. Um, oh yeah, Joe Biagini, who's um, d- yeah. done phenomenal in the pin for the uh, for the Blue Jays this season, and th- they also got uh, Cal Stevenson, who's been in their system. And so, um, I think the Astros definitely stole um, some good pieces from the Jays, but. Uh, you know, this helps. It definitely helps the Astros a lot more because they are going to be in a playoff race. And now, just looking at the Astros' rotation, I mean, they have five guys who, at one point, have been in an All-Star jersey. Um, you know, one through five. And when Grinky, you know, is pretty much your number three guy, I mean, that's that's trouble for other teams. And I think Biagini, the Astros definitely had some holes in their bullpen. Um, they had trouble finishing games and completing games. And when you have a starting pitching like that, a, a rotation like that, it's very hard, um, you know, to just keep that perfectly intact. But Biagini is going to help them out a lot um, going down the road this uh, postseason. And so I think it was a great trade. Uh, Derek Fisher uh, for the Blue Jays, he's a great guy, I think. And now since they have uh, several young outfielders, a lot of young players, um, I believe what they have, Cavin uh, uh, Biggio. Uh, now yeah. in, in their system, Boba Fett yeah, just got Bichette, called yeah. up. Which every time I hear his name, I think of Boba Fett. Star Wars. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's a shorter guy. I think he just hit a home run yesterday. His first one, yeah, he did. I believe. And so Derek Fisher, I think, uh, with the the couple years of experience, will be able to relate to some of those guys more. And so he could uh, be in that mix, um, coming up with some of those guys as well for the next season or two. But I think it's a great tr- uh, trade on the Astros end. Um, but uh, the Blue Jays also got a very solid outfielder. Chad, help me out here for a second. That The year the Astros won the World Series, mm-hmm. 2017, Yes, there was that game that went really, really late into extras where they ran out of ads, yeah. where they weren't doing ads anymore. Yes. Wasn't Derek Fisher that he scored either the game-winning yes. run or had the game-winning hit in yeah. that game? Uh, yeah, so, so that was game five um, of the 2017 series, and yeah. uh, Alex Bregman hit the walk-off single, and it was Derek Fisher who scored uh, the winning run. Uh, From he, second base, right? Y- yes, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was just kind of a bloop over, well, it was a hard-hit ball, but I mean, 
over the shortstop, you know, very shallow into the outfield. And Derek Fisher, uh, he's very quick. He has um, he has good wheels on him, and so uh, they used him throughout um, that postseason just that kind of as a pinch runner. Um, they would pinch hit him every now and then. But yes, he's uh, Derek Fisher is very quick. But uh, now that the Astros have um, a guy named Miles Straw who just um, has been brought up from the minor league system, he's one of the quickest guys, um, one of the best runners in the league right now. And so that fills uh, that gap kind of and just kind of gets rid of some of the excess uh, guys that the Astros had float around the system, but yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised that you uh, you remembered that. You have a sharp memory, Jack. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thank he, you. Yeah, he, he's not a he's not he's definitely not a popular guy. I mean, I know Astros fans um, who probably don't even know who Derek Fisher is, but the <laughs> fact that you remembered that that's that's clever of you. <laughs> well, I know he's memorable to NBA fans too because they think of uh, the Lakers <laughs> of, point of, guard. of Derek Fisher the guy. <laughs> yeah, <D> Fish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and Derek Fisher is fairly tall um, for an outfielder. Um, I mean, he, he's like six four, six five. So, um, and he's got long strides. That's probably where he gets his speed from. But he's he's fairly tall, which you know could maybe make sense if they get that uh, mixed up a little bit. But yeah, maybe uh, he'd be a good basketball player. I mean, may, maybe. I mean, he, he's got <laughs> quickness, the agility. Uh, he also has a beard. He has like um, he has red hair and um, you know a nice red beard. So maybe he can kind of mix in with that. You never know. <laughs> I, maybe maybe he. <laughs> He has a different calling, you know, if he goes over to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Another Phillies trade, they picked up Jason Vargas, get a little help in their pitching rotation that has stumbled quite a bit this year. I know they had some higher hopes for Vince Velasquez and Zach Eflin. Um, any thoughts on that? Or I mean, that's just one thing to toss out there, make note of. Yeah, I mean Vince Velasquez was a former Astro, so I do oh. know. Yeah, yes, and he, yeah, he he came up with the Astros, and he, um, I know the Phillies as well as um, uh, the Astros. They used him as um, a closer because he is a very a hard throwing pitcher. He very regularly gets up into you know ninety eight, ninety nine. He's touched a hundred a couple times, but um, that that would make sense because he's still a very young guy, and so younger guys who I think throw harder have a lot of trouble um, locating, controlling, and it's also hard to stay healthy because Velasquez has battled a little bit of health issues with his arm, but it is hard to stay healthy because you're throwing so many innings and you're expected just to throw so hard, uh, especially coming out of the pen in that change of time from going to a a starting pitching role, then getting moved over to the pen. It kind of messes up your arm a little bit. So That would also make sense why they're kind of struggling over there a little bit in Philadelphia. Yeah, I got one last Cubs thought, and I'm going to flip it over to you for something else. <laughs> I'm going to say that I think the Cubs were overall smart at this deadline because they did make a couple moves, and I may, you know, I, I thought they were all, maybe not the Edwards deal. I don't know if that was the best trade. I think it was <laughs> the best deal for Edwards. I think it's going to be great for him. I think it was a good deal for San Diego. And hey, if that lefty reliever ends up being good, then that works out great for both teams. I think that the Cubs made a smart move not trying to overspend on a piece or two pieces that they think would radically alter this team because I don't think that one or two pieces would change the trajectory of how well this team does. I think if this team is going to win the players are going to need to perform better. I think the culture needs to somehow change, but 
personally, I've been saying all year, I think this is a wild card team. I think that's where they're going to end up. Um, and so I think they were smart not to try to make a couple of big trades that would maybe indicate that all the all of a sudden that they're all in because they have emptied their farm system on some of these big trades. And while the Chapman deal helped them win a World Series, the Quintana deal has not panned out the way they would have liked. They gave up Aloy Jimenez, who is a blossoming young star on the south side. Everyone loves him. His rookie card is worth a lot, by the way. <laughs> so I think they were smart not to try to force some big trade here because I think I think if they're going to make some more dramatic changes to the roster, which may need to come because I do think they do have some serious problems here with uh, knocking runners in. I just don't know if it's the best balance of bats because they have so many power hitters. I'd like them to, I'd like them to have a few more contact guys in the middle of the order, guys who are really good with runners in scoring position. And I, I don't know if it's fair to expect those guys to change radically in the middle of the year, the whole team to radically change. I think it's smarter for them if they want to make some dramatic, uh, drastic and dramatic, <laughs> I guess they're now one word, dramatic, <laughs> uh, changes to this team, then it's going to come in the offseason because then they have the free agent market to work with. They do have some guys that they can move. You've got Almora, you've got Schwarber, you've got Hap, you've got Addison Russell, a couple of guys in the minors too. I don't know if there's space for all those young guys who have all played in the bigs to uh, really f- space for them all to grow. And, I mean, it is a little unfortunate for them that they didn't sell higher on maybe some of those players that they could have earlier. But the Cubs are just in a weird spot. So I think they made the right move not trying to force some crazy trade because, truthfully, I don't think it would have solved the problem significantly. <laughs> Right, and, and especially a team like the Cubs, who uh, you know doing very well now, uh, a lot of teams would probably expect them to get uh, to make one of those big moves. And I mean, you saw other teams like the Astros and as well as like the Braves, who did make um, had very successful trade deadline days and uh, very successful um, weeks. But uh, you know that's not always the case. Uh, just like you said, that's not always the. Um, you must do this to do well this postseason because what they have over there in Chicago now, um, they're still doing all right. You know, they're they're, they're still um, on pace to do very well um, to to make the postseason if to make the if they are to make the postseason. And so, um, you know, you don't want to mess up that chemistry too much, which I I do agree with you, Jack. I like what um, that they were a little bit more conservative. Um, obviously, with Castellanos, I think that's great. But, uh, yeah, they're definitely a little more conservative, which I think was a smart move um, by Chicago. Yeah. So, overall, I would say the Cubs were deadline winners at the end of the day. <laughs> well, well, well may- I-, I don't know about that. Maybe. <laughs> well, they weren't losers, at <laughs> I, least, because they've been losers they, they, in they the cer- past. They, they certainly were not losers, yes. they. I think they're very smart in the way that they handled the deadline this year. The other thing on my Cubs rant, I think that, there's just something about the culture of this team that right now does not show a whole lot of urgency to win. It seems like they've just grown complacent and they're content with being a wild card team. They don't seem to have that hunger and that drive and that desire that when they go into one of these must win games, they're going to come out of it with the win. This, by the way, last night was their first win at Bush Stadium this year, believe it or not. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in in on they're like neck and neck, I believe, with the Cardinals. Yeah, they're after, tied first after place. last night. They're, they're, they're tied for first place. Yeah, and they still have. Uh, and I, I believe Washington uh, is it is it Washington that's now back in the race yeah. where, um, yeah, they're they're right there with uh, both of those teams now I believe and so, and, and Milwaukee obviously um, yeah uh, yeah Milwaukee too so I mean you know th- there's definitely nothing set in stone and this is like in a very urgent time I think to start winning ball games I mean they can't drop series if they if you know, the Cubs want to uh, find themselves in October and so. Uh, yeah, this is very urgent. I think the culture should be different if it if it not if that's not the case for the Cubs right now. But that that is really interesting that you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. I feel like I'm gonna be. It's gonna be October fourth or fifth, and they just lost a wild card game, and I'm gonna be given my spiel about how to improve this team for the future, which I did last year. <laughs> I just don't think they really changed a whole lot over the off season. I think. If they are to compete, the offseason is the time for them to make the big changes, not in the middle of the season doing it on the fly. So that concludes my Cubs thoughts for today. Plenty <laughs> more to come later this season. Chad, this was a lot of fun. Before we go, let me ask you, any teams that surprised you by not making a move? Uh, Mets, we did talk about the Yankees a little bit. We did talk about the Mets, I suppose. Any other trades that you thought were to happen? Maybe Mike Miner going somewhere. What surprised you in terms of something that did not happen? I, I think one team that I was looking at, um, well, well, besides the Mets, were uh, the Twins. I think you know the Twins. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're really they're set up to. Uh, they did get uh, Sam Dyson, and so that was great. But I was expecting them to maybe add a little more depth to their rotation. Uh, because they're knocking the ball or knocking the cover off the ball. I mean, they're on pace what to have like the most home runs uh, by a team, I think, at some point this season. And so I was expecting them to maybe to add um, a little more depth to their rotation. Uh, maybe the Twins potentially getting a guy like Cindergard or um, maybe for them to get somebody like that. I could have seen Stroman maybe going over there as well, but then the Twins probably would have had to given up um, a lot more, and I think it would have been harder for them. Uh, to make that deal than versus uh, the Mets making that deal. But I was a little bit uh, surprised by the Twins, how um, they weren't more of um, a big name in the in the deadline. They really only made, like, one move. Um, I was a little bit surprised by the Twins. I think the Mets as well. I was expecting Syndergaard to go somewhere, but... Yeah, um, or Wheeler. Or, or Wheeler as well, yes. Uh, Zach Wheeler potentially could have uh, landed in Houston. Uh, the at- Loonho, I know, was talking a lot with uh, Zach Wheeler in... Uh, he would have been great, but obviously I think we got a way better deal with Zach Greinke, <laughs> so we got a better Zach uh, than Wheeler and Greinke. But um, I was I was surprised by those two teams. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything else. I feel like we covered everything today. I oh I got one. I thought the White Sox would have sold Alex Colome. Mm. Yeah, yes, yeah, the White Sox. Uh, there was a lot of. Um, the White Sox have been very, very quiet, and there was even a lot of um, talk about them. Like I remember prior to the season, uh, you know, the White Sox were supposed to get, you know, possibly Manny Machado or uh, Bryce Harper, but nothing happened really. And then, of course, now the trade, uh, the trade deadline, you know, they didn't really do anything. So they've kind of, they've kind of, you know, removed themselves from a lot of uh, acquisition opportunities, which it, it is a little bit surprising. But uh, I was surprised on that as well. 
Yeah, they also, people were talking about leading up to this, would Jose Abreu potentially be on the market with this being the last year of his deal? They value him as a veteran leader for their young guys, so I think that's what they ended up doing. They didn't want to sacrifice him. And then I know a lot of teams like to do this where they we're going to ship a guy away and then we want him to somehow sign with us after we do that, which is like, you know, a guy breaks his girlfriend's heart <laughs> and then three months later says, oh, I'm sorry, babe. It's OK, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. May, you know, maybe there was a story like that and that and that. I don't know. But uh, I mean, no, Jose Abreu, um, I, I, th- I could see him potentially going to a team like maybe the Yankees or, um, you know, after this offseason, I think he's he will be one of the bigger names. Um, going into this offseason and so we could see him going a big place I think and him signing a big contract well Chad I think we covered everything today I think we did it Jack and I, I'm so happy that we we're just able to you know just spend time chatting especially on your birthday yeah. man what what a <laughs> special day for you Jack we, we can't forget about that uh that Mr. Vita today 25 years old wow <laughs> that halfway to 50 uh, you're, you're halfway to half a century <laughs> that yeah happy birthday man seriously that it what a day today <laughs> thank you very much chad uh before i let you go do you have any uh, you're not a big social media guy but if you got any social media you want to throw out there typically people throw out their twitter handle um, or is, are there any projects that you're working on right now that people should check out radio show coming back this fall? Anything? Yeah. So I do, um, I do have a radio show with, uh, KTCU radios, um, with Texas Christian university. And so this fall, um, I will be continuing my, uh, sports talk show. It's called the cheap seats. And, uh, you can tune in on KTCU radio. That's, uh, KTCU.com. And, uh, you can tune in. Uh, to the radio show on, I believe, uh, we're scheduled to do Wednesdays at 5 p.m., and then we're also um, in the works of getting uh, the cheap seats on Spotify. And so hopefully, uh, yes, so hopefully if I um, have the opportunity and pleasure again to come back uh, on the uh, the Jack Vita show, then I will definitely <laughs> be uh, letting everybody know where you can stream and check out uh, the cheap seats. Just an all-sports talk show, very similar to, to what Jack has here. Um, he's doing a phenomenal job, by the way. And so um, so it, this definitely um, encouraged me a lot, I think, just to be on this show um, today, this um, today um, on the Vita show. And so, uh, yes, definitely check out the cheap seats. Um, I myself, as well as my co-host Tim Daly, host it once a week. And so hopefully there will be more information on that um, if I am to join Jack again in the future. I feel like that sentence just didn't really work. My my buddy Tim Daly and we record this weekly. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm sorry. Wait, wait, did I misspeak or? No, no, no. I'm making a joke. Oh, okay. His oh, name's yes. Daly. Why don't you call him weekly? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a bad yeah, yeah. joke. Tim Daly. No, no. I, I get it now. Sorry, I was I was zoned <laughs> out for a second. I was like, wait. Yeah, no. Tim Daly and I we record a weekly podcast, and you can listen to it monthly, and then it'll come on yearly. <laughs> perfect well thank you so much chad i hope to uh have you on in the future uh college football coming up soon baseball always always great i love i've talked baseball any month of the year really oh yes college football college basketball lots to look forward to this fall 
and I'm sure you will be returning to this podcast soon. I, I would absolutely love that. Please let me know when you talk more baseball, especially, and college sports. Uh, Jack and I, we both know we're both big uh, college football and basketball fans, and so that would definitely uh, be a fun conversation, just as fun as it was today, uh, Jack. But I appreciate everything that you've done. Uh, today and i really enjoyed myself uh being on the show uh today so thank you so much jack oh yes thank you very much chad uh very kind words there i'm gonna have let's do one i'm gonna give you 30 seconds before we go okay I keep teasing that we're about to leave <laughs> no i love this do you pay attention to big 10 football at all Every now and then, yeah. Uh, I think more so, um, not very, probably not as closely as you, just because you're in the region. But yeah, um, as exactly. A, as, but but as a whole, uh, I'll look at it every now and then. Let me just say, put your money on Northwestern this year. Hmm. Well, I know they uh, what well, they made a bowl game this past year, and they've won a few bowl games in a row now. I think three wow. in a row. Yes, and and weren't they, they were in the big in a row? Were, they were in the Big Ten championship this past year, weren't they? Yeah, they were, and they played a close game with Ohio State up until the fourth quarter. Yes. Look, Big Ten is different. Urban Meyer's gone. It's a new day. It People, is. <laughs> there's hope for other teams. Maybe it's Michigan's year to finally break through and beat Ohio State. They, they, but... they say that every year, though. I mean, that's every year with Michigan, <laughs> and Harbaugh hasn't done anything over there. So, dude, I Well, he's done a lot. It, it, I mean, he's, he's done... up that program, but they need to win now. It's, yes. it's time to win that game. Yeah, in, in terms as a whole, I mean, they – they're expecting national championship from Michigan and the, he just hasn't done that yet. But if, if it's not Jim's year, then I, I think Northwestern, I, I, I don't think that's a, that's a crazy statement at all. I think that, um, you know, they could kind of just come out unexpectedly and, um, do well in, in big 10 play. Um, you're right. You're right. I, I, I don't think that's, um, definitely out of the blue in any way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's the way I look at it and I'm not saying Northwestern is going to win the big 10, but, they're going to be in there. They're going to be in the mix because you got the Big Ten West, Big Ten East. And Big Ten East, you've got in the in the East is Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State. All the heavy hitters are out there. All the blue chip programs. And then in the West, it's really going to be Northwestern, Nebraska, Iowa, and Wisconsin are the big four that you look at because hey, maybe Indiana's a little better. Illinois, maybe they start to turn the corner, but... Those aren't quite the heavy hitters. So Northwestern's got those teams that they can play. They only lost one conference game last year, which was the game to Michigan where they were mm. up 17 at the half. <laughs> and they've got a five-star quarterback starting for them this year. Hunter Johnson yes. transferred in from Clemson. So that when you have a great quarterback, and you can win a lot of games. Yes, I do remember hearing uh, Hunter Johnson going over there, uh, and especially now that he he has experience in a you know a top program, you know the one of the best programs in the country. Then like I think he brings that great experience to Northwestern. And then you know in terms of uh, Northwestern side of the division, I mean or the conference, you really only have Nebraska. Who, I mean, everyone's like, well, how they won four games last season, and people I think there's a lot of hype on them. Well, Nebraska, they're going to be a nine-win program, ten-win program this year. But I think that's still, for Scott Frost, I think that's still going to be asking a lot from him. And so I think it's looking really good uh, for Northwestern. Uh, obviously, if they are to make it to the championship game, they will be playing, I think, a team who uh, we could see in the college football playoff, uh, you know, like Penn State, definitely has, uh, I think, a really good shot of making the college football playoff uh, this year. But, I, I, 
you know, I, I think it's looking pretty pretty good for Northwestern. I don't think that that's a crazy statement at all um, that they're going to be in big contention in the conference this year. Yeah, Northwestern's whole thing they they keep games close and they win a lot of close games. They do. It's their it's their mo, and so it's fitting for them that all they got to do is just hang around, win those close games, <laughs> and they can sneak their way into the Big Ten championship. So they're interesting. They're gonna be fun to watch. I'm I'm gonna have to look out for Northwestern a little more. I'll I'd watch them every now and then when they yeah. play in the big games. But now that we talked about <laughs> this, I will I'll, I'll have to we'll have to keep each other updated on how they do. Really good <laughs> defense too. So I'm excited to go to some games this year. They're right by my house. Went to a game last year, but Chad, we gotta cut it off. We're at an hour and a half, man. <laughs> Oh, we, we, we could keep going. Yeah. We could go on and on. So I, <laughs> we, we, which is, it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. We, we got to let them cut us off. Yeah. But I, uh, again, Jack, really enjoyed my time on this show. Uh, this is an absolute pleasure, if anything. Great. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, I'll talk to you soon, Jack. Thank you so much. That does it for my conversation with Chad Vautherine. Did I say that correctly? <laughs> uh, Chad Vautherine. Vautherine, man. Yes. Such a long podcast. Forgot it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's it for chad he's gone now actually this time <laughs> thank you so much to everyone who listened to this podcast if you like what you heard today subscribe to the podcast on itunes jack vita show follow on spotify youtube wherever you get your podcast just subscribe it helps a lot with growing the podcast getting the word out to your friends tell a friend about it today if you like what you heard send this someone's way Uh, It was a lot of fun covering baseball. I'll be back on the podcast doing something next week. TBA and TBD, to tell you the truth. Not sure what we'll be doing. I'm going to have a fun interview coming up in about two weeks from now with a Survivor contestant. Leslie Niece competed on Survivor China. So we're going to take a little detour from the world of sports, talk about the world of reality TV, editing, everything of that nature, should be a really fun conversation you will not want to miss. We will also talk about faith in the element that plays on a reality TV show, especially one where you are starving on an island for 39 days. Should be a really fun episode. Even if you haven't watched Survivor, you can learn a little bit. That should be a fun one. Had a great time talking with Mario Lanza last week. We talked a lot about potential rule changes in Major League Baseball. So if that interests you, go back and listen to it. We also talked about the induction of Edgar Martinez. If you want to get in touch with me on social media, my Twitter handle is at TheJackVita. Give me a follow. Tweet me your thoughts on the podcast today. Love interacting folks on there. Tell me what you think. Uh, Who are the winners? Who are the losers of the trade deadline this year? Go ahead. Tweet me. Look forward to hearing your thoughts. Thank you so much to everyone for listening to the podcast today. Hope everyone has a great first weekend of August. Enjoys the rest of the summer. Safe travels to anyone who's going out of town this weekend. I'm out for now. I'm going to go enjoy my weekend up in Wisconsin. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>